Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for joining me and welcome to the show. It is a true blessing to be able to connect with the top minds and strength each and every week and share stories, insights, and experiences on becoming stronger in every area of our lives. And now I want to do more for you. I want to invite you to join the exclusive private Facebook group of The Strength Connection. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength in their lives, and it's the perfect space to explore ideas and share your journey. You'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. Just go to the Facebook groups, type in the Strength Connection, and you'll be accepted immediately. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the inside. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining me. Thomas Bench, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Michael. Great to be here today. It's great to meet you. I got a chance to chat with you the other day. I'm so excited to, to have you, and I really appreciate the time. I'm so thankful. I enjoy talking to you as well. Yeah, we have quite a, a few mutual friends between us here. Um, you know, quick shout out to John Odin, who I got a chance to talk with the other day, who had nothing but amazing things to chat with you. So he set the bar pretty high for this conversation, right? Oh, now. man, you know, John, John is is fastly becoming one of my closest friends. And mm -hmm. uh, he's just a, a great person. And we we get together two or three times a week and spend some time together. So uh, growing in relationship and we get to explore a lot together. I love John. That's awesome. I know you work with him on uh, some stuff. Has he got you into the stone lifting world, like the ancient strength stuff that he dives into? It, it's interesting because one of our original connection points, because um, I did a lot of work uh, in the strongman world. Uh, I had a couple of athletes that I trained to the national level in strongman. So he actually reached out at first looking at deadlifting and, and working with some stone stuff. And so he hasn't really pulled me into all of his Viking culture just, <laughs> just yet, but I'm, I'm itching. I'm, I'm sure this summer while I'm at his place, I'll probably pick up a stone or two and piddle around with him. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I, I cracked up with him the first time we spoke. I'm like, dude, your last name's Odin. Like, how can you not be lifting stones and getting into the ancient world? Well, I, I know. And it, it, and he's he's like a walking cliche. Looks like a Viking. He's got this last name. You know, you're just... You expect yeah. to see him running around with a battle axe. And <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, they didn't need to audition anybody else. He just walked, else. walked into the room. He got the part. It's like, dude, absolutely you everything there. So, John, if you're listening, like, thank you for, for being cool on this. It's absolutely yeah, he's hysterical. Great. He's yeah, great. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, I'm excited to hear more about your story. I mean, you've been in a lot of different worlds regarding strength. You were a you know, strong first instructor. You and your wife, Nicole, who I got a chance to work with at SFB in Seattle, who's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Nicole. Um, but also your work in law enforcement, um, as well as in your church as a pastor. I mean, you're in a, dabbling in a lot of different areas where strength is such an important thing just overall in life. And yes, you kind of get to dabble in a bunch of different modalities of it. So I guess to kick this off, give a little bit of a framework um, mm -hmm. to get a little bit of your origin story. How did you get into the world of strength and conditioning till eventually becoming a coach? Wow. Um, that's, that's a really good one. Um, in college, uh, I played basketball. So my athletic history comes from basketball. So that's what I did in high school. And went off to college and, and played basketball. And one day I was just in the gym working out and a guy worked in the football office. He had played 
um, during a few years in the NBA, you know, when the NBA went on strike, he was those group of guys that got to play. Remember way, way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was in the eighties or nine, uh, early nineties. Um, when that happened anyway, I was in the gym working out and he had played for the Buffalo bills, I think for about five years. And he said, Hey, would you play professional football if you got a shot? And I would, I said, absolutely. I'd play professional football. So he made a couple calls and the Raiders were willing to take a look at me. Um, coming out of college. And when I graduated from college, I weighed probably 215 pounds. And mm-hmm. I just got in the weight room and, and I got up to about 240. And <laughs> I just just went crazy in the weight room. And so long story short, uh, the Raiders didn't work out, but I fell in love with strength training at, at that particular point. So uh, I think in many ways, I was probably a a gym bro. I, I grabbed all of the magazines and I, I read everything that I could, you know, possibly read. Mm-hmm. And I ran into a guy uh, who lived in our city. He was a he was a lightweight bodybuilder and ended up winning the Team Universe lightweight bodybuilding contest six times in a row. I mean, he's probably mm-hmm. one of the greatest lightweight bodybuilders in our in the country. And he lived in our city and he became my training partner for six years. And so that was the person, the single person that was probably the most influential to me Mm -hmm. in, in training, you know, he understood nutrition and, and of course we were, we were doing bodybuilding, but it just piqued my interest. And so I started looking at a lot of different things. And uh, as, as we talked the other day, a little bit, um, I read Pavel, he wrote for Muscle Media 2000. <laughs> I don't know if anybody ever remembers Muscle I, Media. I think I remember, I had, an, I had an old boss who I think had their old magazines in there. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, what is this? So, so I read Muscle Media and Pavel would write in Muscle Media. So I started reading a lot of Pavel's articles and he, uh, he had written a program in there that I followed for eight weeks. And it was probably the strongest that I had ever been in my life. And, and it was it was very simple. It was two lifts. It was bench and deadlift. That's all you did for eight weeks, three days a week. And, and I followed that program to a T. I mean, you talk about trusting the process. Yeah. I, I would leave on the light day and I would just walk out of the gym shaking my head like, I think I should do some curls or something. It was just, <laughs> you know, I was just like, I'm like, is this, this is the, this is it. This is that, all I get to do. That bro today. mentality of I, oh. I got to get some curls in or something. I know I got to do something, right? But I, I just stuck to it. I followed it. And, and I remember testing out my bench and my deadlift in that program after it was all done. And, and I was blown, just blown away. Um, and then, Fast forward, so so I'm I'm doing training. Uh, I'm working at the police academy. I was training cadets in physical conditioning. Uh, I just had a knack for it. I could look at programming and I understood certain things about programming and how pieces fit together. And uh, intuitively, always had an eye for movement. I could could always tell when something wasn't right, and I could make adjustments and fix it and make it more optimal. And and so my my love just just grew there. So I started training some clients, uh, became a police officer, got involved in the police academy, 
I trained recruits in the police academy and, and one of my primary responsibilities was physical conditioning. So mm-hmm. for 14 years, I was the, the lead physical conditioning instructor as well as force tactics instructor for a, one of Pennsylvania's uh, police academies. Uh, 2006, I suffered a pretty catastrophic knee injury, um, ruptured the, my patellar tendon training in in the police academy, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a that was a pretty pretty rough injury. During my recovery time, uh, I was teaching at a conference in Nevada, and I met the founder of CrossFit. So I kind of got into CrossFit then. So mm-hmm. around 2006. I got into CrossFit, uh, ultimately retired in 2007 from my law enforcement job. My wife and I moved out here and we opened the first CrossFit in Central Oregon. So mm-hmm. we, we started CrossFit here. So we had this CrossFit facility. Uh, I was kind of always a mutation, though. Um, when, when the CrossFit gyms really started opening up in Central Oregon, I always seemed odd to them because there was always some element of bodybuilding. There was always some powerlifting that was incorporated and everybody, you know, would come in and they'd say, well, how come you're, you're just not doing the workout of the day, but I would have, I would have programs up. And, uh, and, and for whatever reason, that was just the way my brain worked. Mm -hmm. I got a client uh, at 51, she was 51 years old when I was the personal training manager at a local gym when we first moved to Oregon. And I started training this lady and she is still with me to this day. <laughs> She's uh, we, we've been together mm-hmm. 15 years and she, she recently just had her 65th birthday. Wow. And, and she's got a beautiful story that's kind of tied to strong first. Mm-hmm. Um, but she started having some pretty good back problems and her um, neurosurgeon said it was it was kind of degenerative, like she always had these problems, but the kind of training that we were doing, I think it was exacerbating them. So she ended up having a, a back surgery. We came back from that back surgery, and then about a year and a half later, she has another one. So we're looking at this going, uh, maybe maybe what we're doing is not working. Well, I, I got these kettlebells and I'm reading and knowing Pavel's work, I said, why don't we try kettlebells? Why why don't we see okay. why don't we see if kettlebells will, will will fix your back problem? And and from what I knew and uh and it was really limited at the time, uh we got her swinging, we got her doing get-ups, and it it fixed her back problems. Uh, she, I mean, it absolutely turned her life around in, in terms of, of her back problems. She got, you know, stronger. When I met her at, at 51, she couldn't do a pull-up. And today we were doing weighted pull-ups in, in the gym and she's 65. She, Holy shit. With, That's crazy. <laughs> I, I worked with her this morning. Well, she says to me, she says, Hey, I want to do something. And I said, well, what do you mean? She says, I think I want to compete. I think she was 57 at the time and we saw the TSC mm. and she says what do you think about this and I and I read what was in the TSC and I said yeah we deadlift and we we can learn the snatch and uh 
Uh, absolutely. Let's, yeah. let's, let's do it. Let's, let's go for it. She can do pull-ups. I said, yeah, let's go for it. Well, she says, well, I don't want to do it here. I, I want to do it somewhere where nobody knows me. And I said, okay, okay where do you want to go? And she says, I found a place in Seattle. And I said, all right. And so we, we went to Seattle and uh, man, you know, just the providence of God, we ended up at Kettlebility and uh, we, we met Andrea we met a lot of the, the folks there. It was the most amazing experience uh, that I'd ever had. And, and I've been in the CrossFit world. I've been in the strongman world and I've met lots of people and I've met nice people in, in all of those, in all of those places. There was something about the environment of all of the people that were competing. And, and I know that they came from this community of kettlebell mm-hmm. And it was different. It was completely different. And we left and we had the most amazing time. And we developed this real neat connection to Andrea. She she loved my wife and I because we were really good at gym math. We said well, nobody beats yeah. us at gym math. We we could look at a bar Ta- and just go, tally up 45s and 25s <laughs> super quick. Yeah. <laughs> so she she would say to us, we weren't competing. But she would say, can you help me with, can you help everybody with the bars and stuff? And I said, absolutely. We'll help everybody with the bars. Mm-hmm. And people would say, I got 315 on the bars. Like, no, you actually got 335 on the bar there, or you got 285. Mm-hmm. And so we had this really neat relationship. And uh, so when we came back from that, I said, you know what? I really, I really want to explore this, this kettlebell thing mm-hmm. a, a little bit deeper um, and, uh, went to a certification in, uh, it was in Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, okay. uh, Danny Sawaya's gym, yeah. shout out to my buddy, Danny. Yeah. Uh, he was there and Zar was the master instructor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Laypoint was the senior instructor there. And mm-hmm. I had this magnificent, magnificent weekend. Mm-hmm. And so that's my kind of my, my, my kettlebell story. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a hell it's a hell of a journey right there i get it there's a few threads i want to pull on that tom um with the with the tsc because i know what you're what you're it's like that quizzical look comes over a face of like that energy and something's different about it if you think of that a little more what do you think was that difference of that type of competition because as you said you've been in the crossfit world you've been in the strongman you've been around competitions before of people who are mm. pushing themselves was it something specific, do you think, about the energy and, and kettlebility and, and the TSC? That, that, is a, that is a beautiful question. You know, as, as I've been involved with Strong First, you know, uh, one of the, the, the tenets of, of our organization is, you know, that we are quiet professionals. And one of the things right away is I noticed this this heart that was really about the people, even in the midst of this competition, you could tell that everybody was for everybody else in it. And, and so one of the things that just really jumped out to me was that, that very thing that, uh, and I'm not saying that in other sports, that's not often the case, but there is just something about a level one weekend, about a TSC, mm-hmm. where everybody understands what everybody else has been through 
to prepare yeah. just to be there. And there is automatically a respect and admiration, I believe, that goes out to each and every person because mm-hmm. we understand what it took to to belly up to the bar, to go do a TSC, to prepare for a level one weekend. Yeah. And, and so I think that that's a part of it, a, a, a giant, a giant part of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think that if that is not who you are, when you're around people who are like that, you will either become like that right. or you, or you just move away from that. And, and so they're just really positive, amazing people um, in this whole yeah. kettlebell world. I, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think what you said there is uh, there's such a, an importance to it. I want to bring it back up is that common thread of what you go through to get there. You know, it's like one of my favorite books is Sebastian Younger's Tribe when he talks about the connection mm-hmm. of especially um, men and women in the military who have yep. that. I'm sure you saw that same thing with law enforcement. It's like Absolutely. you could be in a lot of different areas. You could be going through a lot of different things. You could be different culturally, but you've all had this common bond of going through a similar thing like SFGs. They Everybody knows what a snatch test feels like and what it means to hit that hundredth <laughs> rep. Like there's, Absolutely. and we could, we could be on opposite ends of the country like we are right now, but we both know what that feeling Absolutely. Feels like. Yeah. And I thought, I think the TSC was something like that. I mentioned this to you on the phone the other day when we were chatting and the old studio that I worked with, with our team, we just put out like anybody want to jump on this TSC and we had like 20 something people overnight do it. And I, I wrote about, there's a quizzical look that comes over people's faces. Like when they hit a PR, when yeah. I remember there was, there was one guy, we had this guy, Greg, and he strong guy, but had like, I think it was 330, 340 on the bar, something he's never lifted before. And he even came into our place saying, I was never going to deadlift again. Like he just, he had a back injury. He didn't want to do it. And then worked it for a while, was feeling good. And he hit this lift and dropped it down. And it wasn't like a, it wasn't a cheer. It wasn't like a excitement. It was almost like this, like, did I actually just freaking do that right there? And everybody else is going crazy. And it took like two seconds. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I did. This is freaking awesome. And it's something that's, uh, it's hard to like explain the energy to somebody about that unless you're in it. And I think it's kind of seems like there was a similar experience for you and, and your client in Kettlebility. Oh, we had that. And, and, and we've, when, when we had our gym, my wife and I, uh, we ran a, a facility here in Central Oregon. Uh, we just closed last September after 14 years. Uh, very, very bittersweet, but we did many TSCs uh, at the gym and we did several with John's gym and it was, it was the same experience. Uh, you know, I think one of our biggest, we had, you know, probably 40 people yeah. at, at the gym for, you know, for this, it, it, it seems really, really simple. And and what was really interesting, it drew people from other disciplines. We had a lot of CrossFitters came in and mm. they wanted to participate. And it was, it was something about the energy uh, in the place and, and we loved it. So, uh, you know, my heart, uh, I say my heart bleeds red, white, and blue, and it bleeds blue and it <laughs> probably bleeds black and silver too. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, there's a lot that goes right into the DNA of it, right? So, so going back when you worked with uh, law enforcement and strength and conditioning, you know, I'll put this in, it was always, I was curious, like, was it, 
did most of them like really enjoy the strength and conditioning piece of it that you were doing? Or was it very kind of some really dove into it for that? Because I just, I know it's a job that you need physical ability in order to keep up with that over time. You're, you're right. And, and here, here was my experience. Um, you know, primarily I worked with cadets, so I'm, I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with younger people. Some of them are older, but everybody's trying to get into police work. So it's very important to them for that six months that they're in the academy and you do develop uh, some liking for it. I, I saw lots of people that came in that really enjoyed it and it became a part of their life afterwards. Um, in the country, in, in law enforcement, uh, many agencies of the 20,000, I think, you know, 19,000, 20,000 agencies in the country, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere like that. Um, not all of those agencies have a physical fitness requirement to stay on the job. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to pass a physical fitness test or meet some physical requirements to get the job but you don't have to do that to stay on the job. So Mm. it it was my experience. I I policed in the nineties. So it was, it was my experience that the majority of, of officers, um, you know, they would, they would do what they, you know, needed to do from a personal standpoint, but it wasn't something that, you know, everybody really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Our agency, well, we had two big gyms in, in the city, and our agency bought our, our FOP, our, our uh, Fraternal Order of Police, which our, was our union, bought memberships for every guy to both the gyms. And, mm-hmm. and I think in my department, department-wide, there were probably like seven of us that used the memberships, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and the rest of the guys didn't, you know, mm-hmm. so... Um, it, it's unfortunate because law enforcement by and large is um, low frequency, high threshold kind of work. It's, it's low frequency and meaning this, that those things where you are really taking the task physically, tactically, mm-hmm. they're small in, in, in frequency. They don't right. happen. They don't happen a ton. But when they do happen, mm-hmm. they happen at the top end mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> of experience. So um, a lot of guys just, you know, hey, you know, when I had to chase a guy, I chased him, I caught him. When I had to fight with a guy, I fought him, I arrested him. And they didn't necessarily connect the dots that, hey, was that an easy thing for you or was that a hard thing for you? And could okay. this be could this be better or, 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 or not. And, uh, you know, I, I worked with a guy, I hope this is an okay story. Uh, I worked with a guy and he says to me one day, he says, why do you, why do you train so hard? And, and I remember telling him and I said, for you. And he says, why do you, what do you mean you train so hard for me? I said, I'm, I'm going to be strong enough and fit enough that if something happens to you in the field, that is not where they will find you last because I'll be strong enough to get you out of there. Yeah. And uh, that was, that was always my, my thought process. Now, as you get into specialized units, when you think about SWAT right. or, or some of those, those units, physical fitness is a requirement to, to maintain 
admittance to to those kinds of groups. Mm -hmm. But but by and large, um, police across the country, I would say because it's not mandated, it's required, right? Right to to keep jobs. Now some agencies have have stepped up and they say mm -hmm. you got to meet physical fitness requirements, just like you have to shoot no law and right uh, to stay. Um, yeah. But in my experience back, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s, um, you had the guys that worked out, but those were the guys that would have worked out regardless. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it would. I mean, it would be great to, to see some change on that from the standpoint, just from, Absolutely. I mean, from the from the strength side. And I'm sure you've seen this too, like why I have stayed with Strong First for so long. I mean, I love, there's so many great people that I've met. They become, you know, good friends of mine, you know, great mentors. But the standard of every couple of years, every few years, it's not a written test that you need to just send in and just, you know, reapply. And then you just keep your standard. You have to go and you have to show that you're maintaining your skills. Absolutely. And I'm like, that's the, I've talked a lot on this podcast about standards of stuff and we've can debate back and forth, but having those standards for yourself and for life, I think is so important to do. And the physical side of it, like, and it, it, you know, it doesn't matter. There's master's divisions and stuff like that. So there is different criteria, but still it's like, no, you got to show up and you got to, you got to put out for the next four or five minutes, you know, and, and crush it out. And it's sometimes it sucks. If you haven't kept up with it, it's going to be a drag. It's going to yeah. go. And then you go and, okay, I need to make sure that I'm on top of this. And I think that's why it's, I've seen it be more of a successful program for a long period of time. It's because of those standards. It's all principle-based stuff. I mean, it's no crazy rocket science that we're doing on an everyday basis, but it's just holding to a standard. This is where you need to be. You can go above and beyond that if you'd like to, but you can't drop below this floor. And, and, I, and I think with, you know, with the state of things in, in, in the country, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, those will be some things that agencies start to look at because I think physical fitness is low hanging fruit in terms of, um, having men and women prepared uh, for the rigors of of the job. So I, I think we will start to see uh, that coming up, you know, just as much as they want to look at, you know, reform as far as force response is concerned. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I always, <clears throat> I always taught in the academy that your level of physical fitness was your first line of defense, you know, on, on the continuum, right. we used to teach a continuum of force. And we said the first element was presence. And I say, you know, there's, there's a difference between being present and having a presence. And so mm. when, when I showed up, uh, the two greatest compliments I think I ever had in law enforcement where it speaks to this was, uh, one was a state trooper. Cause the, the hospital for the area was in our city. And so the state police would bring people into the city that they would arrest in the county. And this one trooper brings somebody in and he's unruly at the police department. So they call for backup. Well, they call our agency because we're the closest agency. And when I showed up at the hospital, you know, we all knew each other. And as soon as I got out of the car and walked around the corner, this trooper looks at me and he goes, I'm glad they sent <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, yes. and that made me feel good. You know, he goes, I'm glad, you know, because you have a presence, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally yeah. that that changes the tide. And, and another one 
I'm taking a, I got called in to take a report from this older gentleman. He was probably about 80 and I'm sitting in the office taking the report from him. I think it was in the summertime. So I'm wearing short sleeve shirts mm-hmm. and things like that. And, uh, he looks at me and real quick. Says, if you're just listening to this guys, Tom's a big dude. Okay. That's what we're getting at. <laughs> he says, he says, son, can I say something to you? I said, absolutely, sir. He goes, you look like cops are supposed to look that great. And uh, yeah. so, so I, I think that, you know, if it looks like you're capable and fit, sometimes that is enough to stop things from going to the next level. People make an assessment. They go, um, you know, this is juice not worth the squeeze. I don't want to fight with this guy. I don't want right. to argue with this guy I don't right. want to, or this girl. I don't want to get into it with them because they looks like they can handle themselves. So I think we will start to see, I hope we will start to see some of that. And, and not just for that, just for the longevity of police officers. I've I've got too many stories of guys doing 30 year careers and they retire and within three weeks they die of heart attacks and things of that nature. And so I I would like to see it become more of a required standard. We had to have it to get in. Right. Let's have a standard to stay in because it's important, not only to the people that we serve, it's important uh, for us as well. So, yeah, you know, it's, I think it's, you know, not just for keeping the standards and being physically strong, but probably just the, the mental side of some stress relief on it at the same time. I mean, that's such a stressful job. And I just had Craig Marker back on the show and he talked about the psychological immune system that we have, you know, where time does help with everything, but there's other things that you can do to, alleviate these it just like a wound you have on your knee or on your hip it's the same thing with our mind and i mean obviously major traumatic things can happen in the field that you worked in for so long but the the phrase that you just used there i thought is so powerful being you can be present and then presence it's two different things and you don't have to be the biggest person in the world to command a presence in the room and physical strength and feeling confident in your body can do that. I used to tell a story when I was, I worked at a more of like a commercial based gym and I was the manager of that club for a while. And my office was right in front of the space where everybody had to go in and take their little key fob and swipe Mm -hmm. through for the gym. And I used to see people who would start at the gym and they would almost like shuffle their feet walking in because they were so nervous and they had this scared energy about them of just going in because they didn't know what to expect. They never worked out in their life. It was, they knew that they needed to do it, but they didn't know what it felt like to not just be like strong externally, but to actually feel it internal. And I used to actually see the transformation of how they would walk into the gym yeah. where they would have a different swagger about Absolutely. Them. And I, I said that once to a woman, um, God, I can't remember her name for the life of me, but I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I keep seeing her walking in different. I'm like, I got to say something to her. Mm-hmm. And I just went, I was like, you know what? When you first walked into here, you had like had this like saunter to you. Like it was almost like you, you were right about to do an about face and walk <laughs> out the door and go home. Right. Now you're walking in like you own the place, like you're a part of it. Oh, and she's like, you know what? She's like, I'm so happy you said that because I do, I feel so much more confident of coming in here. And since that moment, I remembered anytime I saw somebody do that, I made it apparent to point that out because those are the intangibles of, of yeah. what we do in strength training that 
kind of really changes us the internal fabric of people. Uh, we Nicole and I we figured when we when we closed the gym, we had been participants, you know, and and, and somewhere close to thirty thousand training sessions. I mean, it was you know just just crazy, and. I have so many stories, just like you mentioned, of, of watching people walk in and they didn't think that this was possible for them. And, and you watched them, you know, get their first pull up or pull their first heavy deadlift and, and their body doesn't hurt anymore. It, it, it's it's powerful. And, and, and so I don't sometimes it's hard because I don't understand why people wouldn't want to be stronger physically because I, I see the effects in so many, so many other areas uh, of, of life. Uh, when, when we had our, our strong woman competitor that trained in the gym, uh, she, we were together for probably about seven or eight years. And when she would walk into the gym, man, everybody would stop what they were doing. They would watch her training sessions because she was, you know, she was a 160 pound female and, you know, she deadlift, you know, well over 400 and, yeah. and some of the things, you know, she was just amazing. And, and, and they were like, you know, I remember women saying, Oh, I could never do that. And I said, that's also what she thought. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but she thought that she could never do that until mm -hmm. she did it, you know? And uh, so you're yeah. right, sir. I, I wonder if, I mean, I wonder if it's just, we, we look far out of all the work that needs to be done to think you get there. Like if you don't have, if you don't have a reference point on that, or it's just something that, I mean, this is a word I don't like to use, but I think it's the best is identify with a, someone being strong. Cause I just, I don't like labels. I think we all have capacity to change and right. stuff, but I can see that from people where if you've never been to a gym before, like it could be the scariest place in the world. You know, I used to tell this to people I uh, would hire for the front desk where, you know, we had 12 trainers that worked in mm -hmm. the sold space. We were doing, you know, thousands upon thousands of training, you know, sessions, we were a million dollar business. And I would have these young kids, these 16, 17 year old kids coming in. And I would tell the story. It's like, this is what happens on an everyday basis. You have this many people coming in, they've lost this much weight, they've changed their whole life, their health, like this is a place of sanctuary for them. Yet if somebody comes in for the first time, they don't know anything about that. That could That's be, this true. could be the scariest place in the world. So you better smile behind that front desk and have a welcoming attitude to it because you're the first person that they see Absolutely. of walking through. And I think that's that's some of those things as coaches, right? We forget about the intent. We want to we want to talk about the the protocols and the programs and get into the the weeds of strong endurance and stuff, which I love doing too. But it still doesn't, you know, it still doesn't dilute the fact that yeah, smile and just make people feel welcome. That's probably the best thing we could possibly do. And that's one of the things that I, Michael, if I, if I may, I, I really loved uh, about running our our gym for all of the years um, because it was so personal. It was we got to engage people when when we originally opened our our gym. Uh, we had our, our tagline said we train for life. That was that was our tagline. And so people would come in and, and they'd say, well, what is it that you do in here? And, you know, our, our really simple, uneducated, unscientific answer was, you know, we said, you know what, everything that we do in here should make you better at everything you do outside of here, yeah. everything. So when, and people would go, really? 
And, and that's yeah. how we function. We said, you know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna do things in here that when you go out of here, you're going to engage life in a, in a fuller, more vibrant way. And so I enjoyed yeah. that aspect of, of just, you know, we interviewed every single person that ever trained in our gym. We sat down with them and we connected to them as people. Yes. And uh, it was great. We loved it. We, I, you know, I think that's, I, I love that line. And it, what's in my mind so much is hearing so many different people thinking you need to niche down. You need to have the elevator speech of you should be able to tell somebody what you do in 30 seconds or less exactly down. And honestly, like Tom, I always hated that stuff. Like, cause I'm like, I, like, I don't know. Like I said the same thing. Like we try and make everybody better in here. Yeah. And it's like, if you do that and you're just authentic with, and it's like, here, give it a shot. You're going to yeah. know what we talk about afterwards. And I think, especially now in the world, cause so many people are on the online world. You think that you need to have this, this persona out there. When in reality, if you just have conversations with people and connect on a, on a personal level, you know, this is something I've, I've learned a lot myself over the last few years. I went from being all in person into online hybrid into mostly online, right. but it's still, every time you connect and you talk with another human being, there's a different connection about that. And I don't want to, I don't want to lose that in our strength world of like, just having these programs of stuff. It's like, no, still just have these conversations with people and just say, we want to make your life better out there, right? We're not doing anything crazy in here. We're going to lift a few weights yep. and hopefully it carries over into what you're doing in life. Absolutely. I, you're speaking my language, Michael. I'm a, I'm, I'm a relational person. I, I, I enjoy, you know, really connecting with people. And, and, and I think, you know, because so many people are afraid when they walk into a, a strength facility or a gym uh, if, if you can connect to them as, as people, what it does is it builds trust, especially if you're a coach, it builds trust. And now people are willing to let you lead them, guide them, take them places that they wouldn't naturally want to go to on their own. Uh, and it's not because maybe you're the smartest person, but it's because you're somebody that they trust and, and they believe in and, right. they're willing, and they're willing to go with you. So yeah. At least that's been that's been my very narrow experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's a little less. I think it's a little more than narrow. But is, <laughs> have you seen a lot of that same comparison in the work that you've done with your church? I know you're a pastor in your yes, church, sir. which um, I'm thinking like this is probably a very similar way of bringing. Like I think a lot of people who haven't maybe been to a church or been to a service or a spiritual service I think that you just go in and you just should know this. But it's probably the same kind of mentality if you're looking for something new like and it's a spiritual strength journey that you have is it kind of a similar kind of conversation that you have with people who come oh in wow you you know when you sent the question over I'm like this guy he he must know me he's poking <laughs> all the right all the right ribs he's he's touching all of those all of those things uh you know when you sent the questions over I remember something that Dan John said, and it's always stuck with me. And, and, and I don't know everything I do. I frame it in this way. Uh, he was talking about something one time. And I remember him saying the body is one piece. And that just always resonated with me, you know, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically, all, all of those things are, are tied together. So, um, when, when people walk in into the church, ab, 
absolutely. We, we make an assumption that if people come in the door, that they automatically understand what's going on inside. Right. And, yeah. and, and I think that that's a, a critical mistake and where we lose a lot of people because we, we, we speak a language. Uh, I mean, I've listened to so many smart strength coaches and I could follow them because I've been in the world a long time. But if I was a newbie, I would go, well, I guess strength's not for me because I don't understand what they're talking about at all. Right. And, and it's the same thing inside, inside the church. We, we, if you're in here, we assume that you understand things the way we understand them. We talk that way. And sometimes we don't connect because we just believe that you believe what we believe. Right. And so my approach uh, to ministry is is slightly different. Um, when when I when I look at scripture, I, I I look at one person really closely, and and I watch I watch Jesus. I I love mm-hmm. the Gospels. I watch Jesus in the Gospels, and he was the most relational person in the world. He was so relational, and and that's where I live. Uh, scholars have said that in the Gospels, Jesus was asked 196 questions. He asked, he himself asked over 300. He answered three. So I said, wow, what, what is the power in that? He was always asking questions. He was curious mm. about people. I function in the church the same way I functioned in the gym, the same way I function in life. I'm curious. Where, where are you coming from? What, what, what is your understanding or misunderstanding? Or what is your hope? What are you looking for? What are you scared about? And so my, our ministry, uh, the ministry we have under my leadership at Current, we're trying to be people more like that. People who who want to connect with people and ask them lots of questions. Just be, be curious. Uh, I'm, I'm reading a great book uh, by Adam Grant called Think Again. And uh, I, I just love the book. And, mm-hmm. you know, he talks about being like a scientist, being, being curious. And, and so I, I minister, I minister that way. Yes. Is my responsibility to provide people with insight and information that I get from scripture. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I then present it to them and say, now ask yourself some questions based on what we've talked about. Yeah. And that will lead us to other things to explore and talk about. And then we can figure out, Oh, this is where, this is where maybe you can grow. This is where you can get stronger spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that's not helping you spiritually. Right. Um, this is where you're out of balance. This is where your movement pattern spiritually is not, not the best. But we do that because we know people first. And, and then instead of assuming that everybody is coming in and... Um, you know, they, it's probably funny to say this, that they want to be there. I, I assume 
I assume every Sunday when I'm speaking to people, there are people in the room that are there, but they're really not sure why they're there. Yes. And so, you and, know, and that, and that has to be kind of renewed every day, right? It's like, even if you know, one day you, where you're supposed to be, then, I mean, I, I see that in, in entrepreneurship, you know, I think it was, I think Tony Robbins said that like entrepreneurship is a spiritual job, you know, because it's so reflective there. Um, but something you mentioned there, I have to say this because it's hysterical. I have a rule that if three people I know recommend the same book to me in a row, then I have to get it. So now I have to order Think Again by Adam Grant because now you're the third person <laughs> that jumped on that. But but the word you use there, um, Tom, that I think is so vital and important to, to bring back is curiosity. Um, you know, there's a, there's another great book. It's called uh, A More Beautiful Question. I forget the author's name of it, but this whole thing is just about asking a question over and over and not even thinking about it like a stream of consciousness, just keep asking the questions over and over again. And it kind of, I think, goes on a, on a similar highway of, um, you know, Toyota's 5Y formula. You know, if you ask why five times, now all of a sudden you're getting layers deeper into yes. questions. But that, that what you said there about, you know, there was 300 questions asked, you only answer three. Like that's, that's the ratio of stuff that we should have. And I feel like people just overall, I think in our, in our society right now, we're so quick to answer questions that we think we know the answers to rather than actually stepping back for a minute and actually asking a question. And you can do this in, in anything. You can do this in strength training. Why? I've asked this a bunch of times before, and I've been doing it for 12 years. Why do I train with kettlebells? Why don't I do something else? Why do I train? And you start to kind of get these things down. So I think just being ferociously curious about just everything that you do, you're going to answer, you're going to get a lot more answers than you think of by just going through that. Uh, my client this morning, who's been with me for 15 years, um, you know, it's, it's, she's, she's experienced so much of my programming and, and training style, but she says to me today, she goes, why did you pair things up today the way you paired them up? You know, and it was, it was such a neat question. And, and I think it's, it's, it is really good for me too, as a coach, because you can get comfortable in doing what you do. And, and, and so when someone says, <clears throat> why did you, why did you put it together this way? Yeah. It's like, Oh, I really need to know why I put it together that way. And, and, and it was beautiful and, and I loved it. And, yeah. and so uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, spiritually, I'm curious uh, in, in the strength world. I'm curious uh, socially. I'm curious. Uh, yeah. I'm always, you know, why are you feeling that way? Why are you experiencing that? Why, why did that make you respond this way? Uh, I'm curious right. because I believe there's always a, a, a deeper, there's always a deeper story. There's always a deeper, there's something below the surface that we don't see. And if we, right. we simply stop at the surface, uh, we really miss the beauty of people. Um, yeah. And I, th I think curiosity, it's like an antidote to ideology of like just being so rigid in one own thing. And, you know, it's actually had a client who, was questioning me about intuitive training. I've spoke about it a lot. It's been a huge thing that I've worked on over the last year um, with training that as a skill and kind of asked a question like, well, isn't, is it, it's important to have some structure first if you don't know that side. And I was like, you know, that's actually a really good point. It's like, maybe you do need to follow this first and then build it up. Cause I was on a path for a while 
and myself, because mm-hmm. when something feels good for you, right, you want to preach it out to everything, Absolutely, you know, and just like you're blind to everything <laughs> else that could possibly be an answer. It's like you just go deep into it. I was like, actually, you know, like maybe that's a really good question. Like, and, uh, and it's going in. So I, it's seems probably similar to you. Like I've, I've learned probably more from the clients that I'm actually working and coaching than they've learned from me over the time, just by those questions. Uh, and, and I, and I think that that's a, that's a good place to live. I'm, I fancy myself as an eternal student. Uh, you know, when you talk about dabbling and all of these things, I'm, I'm constantly, I'm constantly learning and, and growing. And, and, I, and I think everything that I uncover, it's like, oh my goodness, well, there's probably more to uncover. There's, there's more to uncover. So uh, I, I love being on, on this journey and, and spirituality is a strength journey to me. It's, it's just like, you know, kettlebells in the gym. Uh, when, I, when I look at a piece of scripture, I'm going, okay, how, how does this, how does this strengthen me? How does it um, add some uh, resilience to my life that maybe I didn't have before? Yeah. So, yeah. Do, do you have a process that you go through of kind of renewing your, your mindset side and your spiritual side? Like, is it just reading? Is it, do you do writing this? Is it, do you go for walks and ponder this? Do you have oh, a specific that's a, thing that you do? That, no, that is a, that is a beautiful question. Um, you know, as a, as a pastor, you know, one of the, I, I would say almost dangers <laughs> is that I'm, I'm reading and studying scripture and I'm praying constantly, but it's about the output. It's about the sermon that I'm going to give on Mm -hmm. Sunday. And and so sometimes um, that kind of becomes its own animal. And and I realized that a couple of of months ago. And so I I have a time every day uh, where I spend probably about 40 minutes and it's before I train, I'll, I'll get up in the morning and I have a devotional that I listen to and, and I will walk and, and just listen and I'm, and I'm praying and I'm thinking through scripture and I write things down and, and, and that's how it, it, it keeps me um, engaged. And I also understand that as I mature spiritually, just like as coaches, there are things that you do and understand now that year one, you didn't. Yes. And, and you can be looking at the exact same thing, but you see it with different eyes because of your experience. So the same thing happens spiritually for me that mm-hmm. uh, I can look at something today and, you know, 40 plus years uh, walking this journey uh, of spirituality um, and the things that I've been through, the experiences that I've had, I can look at something and I go, wow, I never saw that before. Yeah. But again, I'm curious and I always assume that there is something to see, even if I've seen it before. There's something new to see, even if I've seen mm. it before. Yeah. 
that's that's beautiful yeah it's you know there's i forget i think there's an old proverb that says that right it's like um you know no man ever steps into the same river twice for he's not the same man and he's not the same river i love that one i love that one oh it's it's so it's so powerful it's uh you know i mean the the one phrase um you know that has stuck with me for so long is behold i make all things new just because of that that new opportunity every day from it. And it's interesting. One of my mentors, he just had a, he's working with a company, um, you know, on the side of mindset and growth and stuff like that. And they actually start as a company, their calls start with a short devotional where they read a spiritual journey and actually speak about it for 15, 20 minutes. Now you're thinking of that as a, as a company, like it's a business, they're, oper- they're, you know, they're focused on profit, they're focused on outsourcing. And they said, this has been such an impact for them just to get everybody's mind kind of wrapped around a similar thing. And I think it kind of goes back to the original thing we talked about in our conversation, Tom, of about that community of going through something together yes. and just wrapping our, I think we're, we're more similar than we think in, in life. Rather, there's so much about our differences that are going on. We're actually a lot more similar. And if we can just get on the same page with this, in all different matters of strength, I think it's going to be a solution for a lot of the stuff happening. Well, and again, you, 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 you've touched my heart just in that whole thing in a way uh, to me, because, you know, part of that idea of one piece is I have this little idea that, that constantly comes back and it's that an inability to express strength in any area of my life affects my ability to express the fullness of strength in every other ability of my life in area of my life. So um, if, if Nicole and I are relationally not in a place of strength, I see it in my spiritual walk. I see it in how I function in the gym. I see it in how I feel emotionally. When her and I are, are vibing and vibrating right I'm, I'm, I'm better in the gym. I'm better, uh, you know, in the church, I'm, I'm better, you know, just in my own skin. So uh, I, I believe that there is a, a a connection. We, we are truly one piece. And so for me, the strength journey is not just about the physical strength journey. The physical strength journey uh, feeds into all of the other aspects of strength in my life and all of those aspects of strength, mental, emotional, relational, spiritual, they feed into the physical. All of those things are, are, are tied together and uh, it's important. That's beautiful. I, I I'm not even going to add to that. That's a perfect wrap up right there. That's beautiful. Um, Tom, I really enjoyed this time talking with you. Um, I love the energy that you have and, and the work that you're doing. I'm so great that we, so grateful we got a chance to do this. We'll have to do this again sometime. Me too. I, I love it. Thank you. You're doing, you're doing great stuff. I, I love how you're connecting everyone through your conversations uh, together. I uh, often listen to you on, on long drives that I have places and the people that you interview and, uh, it's beautiful, man. Oh, much appreciated. Really do. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Till next time. That's what I'm going to say on this one. So I love it, brother. 
Thanks so much, Tom. Really appreciate it. Listeners, thank you so much for connecting. I will catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.